Hello and welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. If you're new to the podcast, allow me to introduce myself. I'm a 50-something father of three and grandfather of two. I live in Sydney, Australia, where I work as a producer on the number one radio show in Australia. In my spare time, of which there is little, I'm a musician, performing in pubs and clubs more than 80 times a year. I recently released an album of my own songs and has a Camino spirit running through it. It's done very well, and I'm most grateful to the listeners, many of whom are pilgrims, who have downloaded and bought the record. It's called Duende, that mysterious spirit and passion in music. I've been nursing a little brother who's dying in the last couple of weeks and uh, had an overwhelming sense just this last week that I needed to get back to the Camino. As uh, I just think about it now, the Camino, a series of pilgrimages across Europe where pilgrims walked the remains of Christ's Apostle St. James interred beneath the cathedral in Santiago de Compostela in northwest Spain. St. James under a field of stars. And I love the thought of a field of stars, don't you? You almost get the feeling you can lie amongst them, lying in a field of stars. Sometimes we need to see ourselves in the enormity of life to see how hugely significant we are. Your life, my life, our lives are important. Just being is important. And being a pilgrim is a blessing. And blessings are important. I'm most thankful for the years I spent with my brother Leo. We played in bands together for more than two decades. It was a blessing. It was Henry Ward Beecher, an American clergyman, a big part of the anti-slavery movement, who said, The unthankful heart discovers no mercies, but the thankful heart will find in every hour some heavenly blessings. I'm sure this conversation you're about to listen to will bring you and me a blessing or two. Andrew Holloway is a pilgrim who wrote to me from Whidbey Island in Washington State on the northwest coast of the US. He wrote to me a while back to say he'd begun his Camino but had to bail out. So I was intrigued. Welcome, pilgrim. Thanks, Dan. Great to talk to you. Yeah. I often begin by asking where you first heard about the Camino, but this week I'm going to start by asking you when you last talked about the Camino. <laughs> Um, I, uh, I spent a fair amount of time talking about the Camino this week, actually. Uh, my neighbor approached me saying that she was about ready to leave. Actually, she's there. Uh, she's just there now. And, um, and we probably talked for four hours, just, you know, the ins and the outs. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm 46 years old. I'm a father of two beautiful girls, eight and 10, and a uh, husband. I b- built a house uh, on, the, uh, on, the, on the water here up on this island that I live, and, uh, and I, I rent it out as a, a vacation rental. And I just, yeah, I, I cruise through my day thinking about when I'm going to get back to the Camino, truthfully. <laughs> What do your family and friends make of this, of the Camino in your life, this pilgrim life? You know, most don't understand it. My wife does because she, she sees a, uh, I don't know. I kind of, I think I come back from, from a walk and she sees my, my favorite me, you know, um, I am a much calmer person after, you know, 800 clicks. Um, 
the the rest of them just think that I'm on holiday and they kind of wonder why I'm not home helping out my family. So it's, uh, <laughs> you yeah. know, it's, it's a juggling act. What's the best part about being a pilgrim? Poof. The simplicity. Um, and I mean, it's, there's not to say that it's easy by no stretch. Is it, um, but just the fact that you can you can distill your world down to seven kilos and and you know a pace a pair of tennis runners, um, you know it's that's that's a phenomenal blessing. <laughs> so, yeah. And then, how then does that simplicity? Uh, uh, how do you manifest that simplicity when you get home? Because. It's not always easy, is it, to to take those ideals and that ideology with you back home? You know, I'd say not at all. Um, you, but I think what the Camino teaches me is just the rest of the noise doesn't matter. Just take each step and listen to the birds, which are phenomenal, and the wheat, depending on what time of year you're walking, and... You can bring that back home by just slowing down a little bit. It's tough in this this fast-paced world. I mean, it's a 24-hour workday, and there's always something that you can get done, right? But, um, yeah, take a breath and go for a walk. Pay attention. Yeah. Are there days at home when you feel you're a better pilgrim than you are on other days? <laughs> yeah. Um mm-hmm. I, for sure. I, I, I mean, I think I strive to be, uh, I, I strive each day to kind of be Camino Andy, not, uh, not you would be Andy. Um, but, uh, and you know, some days I do it well and some days I fall flat. Yeah. So tell us about your Camino experience. How many times have you been and how far did you walk? Yeah, so um, you mentioned that I I started I started walking um, before I I started May first of seventeen and uh, and got to day I got to Burgos uh, when my wife uh, Maggie uh, took a job. We were currently living in Germany um, at the time, and uh, she accepted a position here on the island where we just built the business and. And we decided it was time to come home, you know, get a little closer to the grandparents and friends and family. And uh, and so I, I hustled to Barcelona, jumped on a plane to to help with the move, um, always knowing that I this was something that I needed to 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 complete. Um, so zoom forward to uh, March of of this year, um, I, or really February, I guess, uh, I planned for about three weeks. My, uh, my shoes that I walked on, on this, uh, this last Camino still had the, uh, the smell of Amazon and, uh, I hadn't worn them, but you know, from the airport in, uh, you know, to, to, to my first albergue. Right. Um, but, uh, but I, this time around, you know, it was, it was unplanned, which kind of made it, unique and special in its own way. So I, I was, I've had, uh, I kind of have my dad's ticker and, um, and blood work came back. My cousin who happens to be a doc, you know, wrote me a long email one more on Saturday morning. And my wife turned to me and said, look, go, 
you you know you need to go for the walk. You need to get these numbers in a, a little more in round. And uh, and I said, look, I made a ton of excuses, right? Because I was I was planning to learn Spanish and I was planning to do all of these things and do it a year from now. And now uh, she just says, no, we're you, you're going to go. Let's just let's just make this happen. So three weeks later, I was on a plane and uh, and uh, walking through, you know, a different time of the year that you know I hadn't planned for and hadn't really thought about. Um, you know, all I knew is the Napoleon route was closed. Right. So, uh, you know, I couldn't, couldn't do that. Um, but it made it, you know, there's something nice about just you jumping. Yeah. And finding yourself, it's a a lovely surprise to find yourself on the trail when you haven't really done all that extra legwork. Yeah. You know, and I had done a lot last time. Um, I, I would, uh, I would say that I, I enjoy researching, but when I get to the Camino, the only thing I have booked was that first day. And from there it's, you know, it's its own journey. Right. So I don't know how tired I'm going to be or, you know, how, how strong my legs are going to feel. So we just go until you don't. And the beauty of the beauty of March, um, well, first off, I, unprecedented weather. I had four hours worth of drizzle in 28 days. Um, it was just unbelievable how, how nice the weather was. I would say 10 straight days cloudless. I mean, the Maseta was amazing. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I really got kind of really quite lucky. Yeah. How wonderful. We, we talk here from time to time about Camino angels. Have you have you ever been someone's Camino angel? Oof, have I been somebody's Camino angel? I've certainly witnessed a few. Um, I, you know, honestly, I don't, I don't know if I have. I, I there was a, there was a, a woman who was all distressed. I was somewhere, you know, day five ish. Um, she had climbed off a bus and was. We were sitting in a square. Um, she just, I don't know. She just looked like she needed somebody to chat with. So I kind of bellied up to the table and, uh, and asked her her name, but, uh, she was, she was just beating herself up for, for taking that bus. And, uh, you know, I just said, this is your Camino. Do whatever it is that you want to do on when you want to do it. If your legs are are tired, or if you want to jump ahead, jump ahead. Yeah, that's what it's there for, you know. So, and you know, and, and I I only bring it up because she she I saw her. I want to say I saw her five days from the end, and you know, strong and happy and smiling. And she came up to me and just said, "Look, that conversation really, really made a difference." And so, you know, those are those are fun moments. I didn't mean anything. You know, she just looked like she needed a chat. You know. Yeah. Oh, that's a great story. Yeah, because we do beat ourselves up. I mean, who cares? Doesn't. No one's yeah, judging you. It. No one. Well, perhaps people are judging you, but who cares what they think? But it's interesting that you say that because I wanted to ask you why you think we're more inclined to help others when we're pilgrims, not just on the Camino, but in life generally. What do you think it is about the pilgrimage that affords us this this great tendency to help others? I don't know. I mean, I think just walking, you know, allowing yourself to take that time and, and really opens people up. I mean, you've talked about it 
time and time again with your with your guests on this show just how different people are when they're on the Camino and how open they are and how mm. willing they are to talk about such personal things after you know after a cup of coffee and in uh, six kilometers you know um, so I think that it's just allowing yourself giving yourself that freedom to to just kind of be you yeah yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's a good way of putting it, actually, to just be you. I liked when you said earlier um, that when you come home, you know, you get glimpses of your wife gets glimpses of your favorite you. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Um, it's a good way of putting it. Thank you. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny because I'm, I can tend to, I would say that people at home say that I, you know, my temperature runs a little bit spazzy. Um, and on the Camino, I was really quite, I'm patient and things roll off my back easier. And I don't know, you're just, you're really able to live in the moment and man, if we could figure out societally how to live in the moment a little bit more, I'll tell you what, our, our health would be a whole lot better. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, that's absolutely, we'd be happier sure. people. Yeah. No question about um, that. You know, it's, it, it's, uh, I, my first Camino was, was, uh, was an interesting one because I, I mean, talking about beating myself up, I, I, I spent a, I mean, you, you zoom, zoom forward in the, in the story, you'll, 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 you'll get a diagnosis. But back then I was, I just was, I was unable to sit still. I was, uh, you know, kind of always running on tilt with my, uh, with my kids. I mean, not, not meaning to, and you know, I have a lot of free time because the business that I run, especially when I was in Germany was 5,000 miles away and didn't require, you know, much more than email correspondence from time to time. So I, I would beat myself up day in and day out for just not being as patient as I could be or should be, or, you know, and that word should, right. It's just like, I just couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. So when I went, uh, you know, I, I went away with these hopes uh, uh, of just finding patience and the girls gave me stones. And I mean, it just broke my heart. I just told them, I said, look, I'm going to, I'm going to put these at the base of Cruz de Ferro. Um, and, and I'm, and I'm going to shed this burden, uh, and I'm going to, you know, be a more patient father. Right. And, and, and that, and what I know now is that was almost an impossible ask because I have, I was diagnosed with something called Graves disease, which is an autoimmune disorder that, um, that makes too much hormones. So essentially your, your thyroid produces hormones and, and your, your brain tells that thyroid when to regulate, when to give you more, when to pull it back, your fight or flight, all of that. And, and my numbers were ramped up to an impossible level so much so that my first endocrinologist said to my, wife he said well, has he been challenging to live with and you know maggie nodded and 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 he just said look it's just not his fault so so the so that first camino was a was a futile ask truthfully I, at the time i mean at that point i didn't know all i thought was i was a i was a bad dad who wasn't patient and i i just needed to go for a walk to try to settle myself down so the, so so zoom forward to this year and and this camino 
I, I went with, I went with some goals. I wanted to take more pictures. I wanted to write and neither one of those goals happened because, you know, as I, as I set my foot down on the trail that I had walked a couple of years prior, I, I realized that I was just different and, and I just was okay being different on this walk. And it was an amazing feeling. And I just realized how much my body was making my life difficult. And, and with a, with a, with a little bit of meds, um, I was myself again and the walk was just a walk. Are you a religious person? I'm not. I'm. Uh, I would say I'm a. I'm a spiritual person, um, but I'm. But I'm not a religious person. No. Did you get lost on the Camino? <laughs> yeah, somewhere, somewhere past Astorga, I missed a, um, a, a, a an arrow, and ended up on this path, which I walked probably for much longer than I should have. Um, <laughs> past the town, past another town, you know, all of a sudden things got a little, got a little weeded over. And, uh, and I decided to, uh, to, to alter things, but I didn't ever find it. I didn't, I refused to walk back to where that an arrow should be. And I just kind of went off the, off the trail and figured it out. I, but I, but it, it, it's kind of a bummer when you see a sign that says, you know, three kilometers to the Camino. Um, but you know, so my day was a little longer. Um, that was a that was a spectacular walk, though. I love that day. You know, that day to what Ponferreta, um it, it was just was amazing. And I, you know, so I got lost. <laughs> yeah, but you would have been. Now you're saying that the walk that you ended up walking was beautiful. So in a, in a kind of a way, you got f- kind of found. For sure. I mean, that's, and that's, I, I, and I think that, you know, you miss turns on a busy street in Seattle and, you know, you're, you're, you're super grumpy or you get stuck in a stoplight and there you walk an extra three kilometers and you're like, yeah, that was fun. (laughs) That is so true. I I do a bit of traveling, not a lot, but I do a bit of traveling. I love getting lost. I really do. In fact, in Leon, uh, on my first Camino, I was dreadfully lost. I was really starting to panic. But what, at the end of the where, how'd you get back? Well, I just kept walking until I found something <laughs> that looked familiar. In fact, I, I remember what it was now. It was the river. I found the river. And, and, and then I realized, okay, well, if I follow the river that way, I'm going to eventually get back to, to, to the little bridge that takes you up to the cathedral. But, uh, but, at the end of that day, I was exhausted because not only had I walked 30 odd Ks, I must have walked another 15 trying to find my way home. Uh, <laughs> and, no, and, and so, but at the end of that day, I remember having a sandwich at the, at the albergue thinking, wow, it was really beautiful today. Walking around those little side streets, little narrow alleyways and stuff all around. It was magic, really. So getting lost can be yeah. a blessing at times. You know, I, I, I've never really interviewed anybody who said oh yeah i got lost and it was an absolute nightmare i didn't but that's like well it's all part of the journey it is and you know the the, the funny thing for me is i feel worse when on the camino you know you just all you're, you get so dependent on those arrows right yeah, yeah, so yeah. and all of a sudden you're walking and you walk and walk and walk and there was a couple mornings where i left super early right and i was the only one out there and you just 
you just go, where's the arrow? Where have I gone too far? And it's that feeling of, <laughs> oh gosh, do I need to turn back? You know, yeah. but I'm on a, like I, you're, I'm in the Maseta. There's no possible way that I'm getting lost. I'm, I'm walking on the only, the only street that left the town. Right. Yeah, yeah. But you still get that, that panic. Like, yeah. oh gosh. <laughs> I know leaving, uh, Lorogno and, uh, my Welsh friend Lee, was striding out of town, you know, and everybody said, well, he looks like he knows where he's going. So they followed him <laughs> off, down, they followed him down by the river and up the hill and out of town and kept walking, kept walking. And then he just stopped and he said, I don't know where I'm going. And all the people behind him said, but you were walking so purposefully. We were sure right. he knew where you were going. He said, no, no, I don't know where I'm going. So they all sort of grumpily turned around and walked back. <laughs> and as they were coming toward the town, the sun started to come up and they all stood and paused and, and looked at one another and said, well, if we weren't lost, we wouldn't have seen this beautiful sunrise. And I remember Lee telling me that story and he was so relieved <laughs> because he was, yeah. he, he was sure they were going to be cursing him all the way back to town. You know... Well, that's the that's the one thing that you don't get on the Camino too much is sunrises, right? So, yeah. at least not on the Francaise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's often said the Camino is a metaphor of life. You have good days and bad days, and some days are easier than others. But if you continue to put one foot in front of the other, you'll get there. Is that a fair statement? Do you think? I think it's a super fair statement. I think it's something that we should live by. I mean, it's. I, I think we make things way more difficult than we need to, um, you know, and the Camino, I think kind of teaches you that you you're walking, you just walk and you eat, you have a cup of coffee or a second breakfast or, you know, heaven forbid a second chocolate croissant and, and that's okay. You know, and then if you want a late morning beer, I wouldn't have a late morning beer at home, but I've already walked, you know, 20 clicks. I, I can have a late morning beer. Um, it was a, my, my this very wise South African uh, man, Carl, who was always so profound with his words. Just one day just says, look, beer in the morning is that's, it's just what you do. It's, it's health, good carbs. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Carl. I know. Well, the, Sp the Spanish don't think twice about it. Not at all. You're in Madrid. You, you, you're in Madrid. You're not anywhere near the Camino, and you're walking down the street. They're having a beer at eight thirty in the morning. They don't think twice about it. Why should we? That's funny. Why should yeah. we? You know, what did you do on the Camino to stay motivated? Because day after day, and I'm certain there are people listening, wondering how they'll cope with having to walk thirty k's a day, day after day. How did you stay motivated? I don't know. It wasn't 30 Ks to the next town. I mean, I, I stayed motivated by just the, the, at least duping myself into believing that there'd be something open in the next town. Um, that kept me going. Uh, the, the one frustration I'd say of, of walking in March is the Camino really opens April 1st. And, and, and the albergues and the towns are, few, I mean, the towns are there, but I mean, they're few and far between. There was one morning somewhere in the Maseta where I, you know, I woke up and I was a little hungry and I certainly could have used a cup of coffee, but I saw six clicks. I'm like, I can do that. No problem. Well, 28 kilometers later, I found uh -oh. my first cup of coffee. Oh no. 
That was honestly, that might've been my worst day because every town there's, which there are multiple, I would get to, and I'd walk through and, and it's odd, you know, the, the, the capitalist in me, I really was, I took it as kind of a front, you know, like why isn't something like you'd make a killing right now. If you just (laughs) set up a coffee, get yourself a thermos, my my friends. Um, and uh and it actually happened on that on that same day that i got lost um it was another that morning you just you just had no idea where that first cup of coffee or meal was going to come um just because the towns were shut down and there was there was a guy sitting on a chair in the middle of the camino dog sitting next to him and a sign you know that just said baked goods and I, I mean, everybody was passing him and I'm like, dude, seriously, I want to baked good. So I, you know, cruise through his door into his kitchen. He sits me down, does it. I mean, I, I, my Spanish is really not so good. And he just didn't speak a lick of English. And, uh, and he just, I mean, I, I gave him two Euro and he looked and all of a sudden he starts handing me like the entire lemon cake. I'm like, no, no, I'm good with a piece, um, you know, but I'll take that banana. Uh, but it was, it's that kind of stuff that just makes the Camino so rich because it does provide, like I needed food and this man tried to give me a lemon cake. Yeah. 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 The Camino provides, I can imagine, I can picture that scene perfectly. In my mind's eye. It was kind of awkward. You know, I was eating and he was just staring at me so attentive, you know, attentively. And, and, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, I got nothing to say, but I really want to keep eating, you know? Um, so anyway. I love it. You know, I love the com- camaraderie of the Camino and people from all around the world finding a togetherness uh, on the Camino. What can we learn, do you think, Andrew, from that Pilgrim Fellowship? I mean, I would say we could certainly learn to just be more tolerant. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. I, 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 the the beauty of the Francais, I'd say, is how many different cultures you run into and how many people are just doing it their way, right? I mean, I, I there was a there was a there was a guy walking in the truly couldn't be further from anywhere in the Meseta. And it was him and his, it was a Korean man with his four-year-old son. They were just walking. And I, you know, I, I, and I, I said, uh, you know, how far are you guys going? And he's like, we go until we don't want to. And then we'll take a bus if we want to, you know, and we were going to, yeah. How long do you have? I got 60 days. All right. Well, <laughs> good on you. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, but I love it. And, you know, first day climbing over, this was on the first Camino, but climbing over the Napoleon route, I, uh, I had this really special moment with this. So this is, there's this family, you know, you have the line waiting for the, the place to open and uh, at, in Roncesvalles and and get your bed. And the family in front of me um, was from really far north in Canada. And and they've been saving for three years and, and it was a family of three. They were pushing a baby stroller that would, they, they, they kind of 
created a loft space for us, another kid on top of to sit on. And they were pushing a, um, a very severely handicapped child, um, up you know up the pyrenees and and they there was a there was a kid who was six at the time she her name was lily uh and my daughter was six at the time and her name is lily and this woman i tried to get this they tried to get this girl you know i was trying to engage with her a lot and she was shy and she was hiding but she ended up being my you know in that in the new part of that the, the main albergue and, and roncesvalles it's beautiful it's nice they've got lockers and cubbies and you don't they're not bunks and and she ended up being over the wall from me. And and I could see that she was peering over and peering over and that she wanted to engage. And finally, I got her to talk. And I said, you know, I, your name's Lily, right? And she nodded. I said, I've got a daughter named Lily. And she smiled kind of sheepishly. And I said, do you, do you spell it with one L or two? And, and she looked at me kind of, she gave me this look like uh, three <laughs> and and like, of course the the L there's an L at the beginning and she said, just that look was priceless and then she just giggled at me you know and and you have those moments that are just they just stick with you and and here this family was just uh, against all odds pushing their 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 stroller across Spain that's um, ma- magic i mean it's just like that is absolutely that magic that is, is. Magic. and if that doesn't warm your heart and, yeah. and teach you to, you know, to not judge, and everybody has a story, and everybody has, everybody's got struggles, and and you realize on the Camino, it's just kind of a symphony of struggles. Like everybody's got them, but all together they make amazing music. Wow, that's really beautifully put, Andrew. You know, that's. My next question was, music is a big part of the Camino for me. Is it significant in your journey, music? It is, in, my, in my life journey, it absolutely is. I mean, although I, 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 I'd love to pick up the guitar and, and, and play it. Um, I grew up playing instruments, but I, I love it. I love listening to music. Though on the Camino, I really didn't. Yeah. I, um, there were a couple of days, a couple of climbs where I needed to drown out a, a fellow, um, a fellow pilgrim. I was feeling a little introverted and, uh, and, uh, you know, I'd stop for water and put in some earbuds, but there was, that was really few and far between. Well, let's go back to the Camino. Are you able to, to single out a favorite albergue? Oh yes, yes, my friend. Um, I uh, there was there well, I, I, and and it, 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 I'm pretty sure that you haven't stopped there, but have, have heard a lot about it. That that Al, that municipal albergue in Grañón, unbelievable. Right. Um, it just it, you know I, I don't know when and if you'll be heading back to the Frances, but seriously avoid Lagroño, travel to to Azofra and Navarrete, and then get to stay there because it is it is just a really special night. Something about the hospital arrows and the 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 you know they take people out of the room, and for me this time and and I, I sent you a little passage that I wrote. Um, it, just about this this day, so I, I they take all the people out and they go down to the church and they walk through and then they go up to a central room where people go around the room and I've heard it's really a special evening. I had I didn't do it I because 
was at that point, I just, the words were coming out in a nice pattern and I, I wanted to just sit by that fireplace and write. And, and then I, I and, and then across the room, there was this, well, so the, there was this Korean girl who always was slunched over and walking and, and I never ever could get her to smile or even say hi to me. Um, I, you know, she, I'd see her, I'd pass her and, you know, we, we just, we just weren't connecting And it. And she picked up a guitar and starts singing just in this wonderfully breathy, perfectly pitched voice. Uh, and, and, and we spent the whole time when people were down there as, as I put my my pen down just harmonizing and singing songs and man oh man again i judged her and she just turned out to give me the most special night of the camino probably wow that's a great story what songs were you singing Oh, I mean, all the all the songs that I'm sure that you've you've mastered over the year, a lot of Beatles, you know, American Pie. I mean, like anything she and and, and she's a she's and she teaches. She was young. I mean, she's probably 21. But back in back in Korea, she's a she's a she teaches kids to play guitar. And um, and she just had this voice that that resonated and it's just it, in that room that was just pitched and perfect, you know, like it was, it really was fantastic. Um, it was a, it was a great evening because then, you know, naturally as people start coming back in and coming around the table, you know, two voices became many, you know, and, and it, it was just a phenomenal evening. Oh, that's a great story. Okay. Now a favorite meal. Oh, um, boy, you know, funny thing, and I, I'm not going to be able to come up with the albergue off the top of my head, but it was, oh, where was it? Um, it was somewhere in the Meseta. I, we, I, we stumbled across a, an, an albergue that hadn't been open long, and it was kind of on the outskirts of town across the, there was a beautiful little, you know, one room church on the left-hand side among in the trees. It was just this really special spot um, that actually the, 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 the yard guy came while I was sitting waiting for, uh, waiting for my friend and opened the cathedral up and I got to spend some time and shoot some photos and it was really quite, quite lovely. But that albergue, um, the woman in there, I mean, first off inside was amazing and there was a there's this beautiful motorcycle that her 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 husband had put together like a moto guzo and a moto guzzi i don't know i'm not a motorcycle guy um but it was just stunning an old bike and just this amazingly put together place from the outside it, it kind of looked like there should be you know plastic flamingos on the inside it was just phenomenal um and and that she she made us it was just the two of us. She made us a, a multi-course meal that, that was unbelievable. I, I, if I could come up with the place, I'd love to pass it along because in the Meseta, man, oh man, those places are, are, you, 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 you need them every now and then, you know? Yeah. Um, there was also one other, um, in, in, uh, what, a Tria Castilla, um, albergue, uh, atrio 
and uh, architecturally stunning. I mean, inside there were these these lofts. Um, each room had only four bunks, and they were wood, and they didn't squeak, and they, you know, <laughs> they because that you know that can be rough. Oh, but yeah. it, there were sitting areas and on these platforms, beautiful architectural stairs, and you look up, and there's just a band of light because they had they when they do when this old building was when they renovated it they they left they left this this window on the top with that had stars in it and um and it, they cut out metal and made all of these stars so it was just a phenomenal it was just such an interesting place wow. so uh, and and that guy actually that evening um i was the i was one of his first people um and i called a bunch of my people once i saw him, a bunch of my family and said look you really should probably bypass the municipal and come to this place and he was so thankful that he made this amazing alcoholic drink where he went to the grocery store and got coffee beans and put this 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 local um probably grain alcohol in and then a ton of sugar and made this local drink that he lit on fire and served us wow um yeah, it was, and I, all just to say, you know, thank you. So that was a really, really special, that was a special evening too. How, how much water do you carry and how do you carry it? So I, uh, I carried a, a bladder. Uh, right. So it was, it was two liters and, um, and that's, you know, you don't need it. You don't need two liters, but having, having, having that hose right there at the ready is really quite nice. Um, that's, that's how I used it. I mean, and, and, you know, I became, as I, as it became a little more seasoned, I, uh, I'd stop pulling that, that dumb bladder out, which was never easy. And I just decided to fill it from inside my pack, you know, just, oh uh, yeah. Uh, and that made it a lot easier. I felt kind of foolish because it was probably day 24 that I figured that out. But hey, on my next Camino, <laughs> it's game time. Do you carry food with you? Um, I, I usually have a hunk of chorizo because where else am I going to be able to carry a hunk of awesome chorizo? Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of cheese. But for the most part, not really. I, you know, I, I'd stop and I, unfortunately I'm not an egg eater, which makes life so challenging. Um, and those, those, those tortillas that they serve, yeah, they just, there's just, they don't speak to me. So, you know, I was always on the hunt for a chocolate croissant. Um, and uh, and when I found them, man, I lit up. And the orange juice on the Camino—it's uh, like it comes. It seriously it, comes from the gods. It's fantastic. And I've talked about <laughs> this before on this podcast. Why don't we have it in Australia? I don't understand. I mean, it's it's those machines, right, that are behind the counter. It's that. It's not yes, rocket and science. Amazing. Yeah, I know. It's it's not rocket science, but I promise you, if you had one of those machines, forget the lemonade stand, kids. Get that machine and a bucket of oranges. <laughs> I know. It's so nice. college will come easy. <laughs> it's so so good. It's so good. Um, what about? You mentioned earlier that you booked that first night in Roncesvalles, but then after that, you just kind of went with the flow. Yeah. Did you always find a bed in April? 
March, April? Well, I mean, I think, I, yeah, so March was, the March was a little bit challenging because, yeah. oh, you mentioned again, that, you, you, you really just had to, you, it took a lot of the spontaneity out of, out of it because you kind of had to know what towns had open albergues. Sure, um, sure. So, but my first, my first Camino I did, um, only because I'm an early riser. I mean, not like an annoying crinkle of plastic, um, early riser, but I, I, I have my, my pack outside the, the, usually the room and I wake up, grab my, my sack and go. Um, so I was always, I was always, I was always on, on the trail at dawn because I just loved the light. Yeah. I love the you light know, too. The, yeah. The frustration to that though, the, the, the end was then you'd get to a place, you know, sometimes at 11 in the afternoon and, you know, some, some towns are fantastic for that, but others are like, Oh gosh. Okay. Um, but that's life, you know, you, yeah. you, you see, so you sit out in the sun and, and you enjoy a, a, another church and you, you, you wait for the next day. Or the, lo- or the late morning beer. Yeah, there, that late morning beer. Yes, for now, sure. We're working in reverse now. How did you okay. first learn about the Camino? Yeah, um, I. So I, I was I was the stay at home dad, and well, when my kids were were young and and napping, um, I I started just researching you know, everything. And one of the things that I was fascinated by were just the pilgrimages of the world. And, and I, and so it was on, it was that day that I, I found the Camino and, and, you know, each time I, you know, I'd read about wherever it was in the world and, and the logistics and how easy it was and how do you get there? And the Camino just seems, I mean, they just, they just, they make it like, you really can't not walk it. it it's just, it's just, it's just set up for you to walk it. So, uh, you know, I filed it away as someday and, uh, and someday came. Yeah. And what, what do you think the Camino itself is trying to tell us? Well, for me, I think it's just slow down and, and enjoy, enjoy the moments, um, because it's what, well, I mean, you know, it, it's what it's all you got. Right. So, uh, I, I spend a lot of, I've spent a lot of my time and uh, you know, I, I can't say that I'm fully reformed, but, um, looking ahead and, and planning things off in the future and that, you know, that's not, that's not the way that I, that's just not the way to happiness for me. So uh, I, I think the Camino makes you or allows you just to, just to take those steps and listen to those birds and, you know, every, and then just have faith that, you know, the, the, the coffee shop's going to be open or, or as on my first Camino, um, walking, I don't really know where it was, but somewhere day four or five, the day where you, I passed, I passed the wine fountain that morning. Right. Um, and, and you walk down into this and I did it, you know, in May that, that you time. And so you just, you've just got green flowing green yeah. and you know, you're high. That's the law. I want to say that was the longest stretch on the Camino or one of them, um, that day in those green Hills. And then all of a sudden you know, I rounded this corner and drop down into this valley of 
oh my gosh. And there was a hamburger truck. And it was the best hamburger I think I've had in my whole life. Like, and, and it was just, it was like an oasis of happy pilgrims drinking and eating in the middle of nowhere. These just perfectly formed hamburgers. Okay. The Camino provides. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Tell us about walking into Santiago de Compostela this second time around this year. Boy, you know, it, it was somewhat anticlimactic. Um, I, I had, um, I was ahead of, I was ahead of my Camino family by a couple of days. Um, I had, uh, I had, I had rushed to find a friend who actually, I walked that very first day, uh, with she's this, this woman was, uh, from Hungary and was out of the military and just was a beast of a walker. And I, and, and she was, it was, I could not keep up with her at the beginning, but I, I, I found my way back to her that very last day. So we kind of had bookend days, but, uh, but as she got closer to, she was walking with a couple of mates and as, as they got closer, they, they, it turned into more of a pub crawl that I could handle. My poor little couldn't, couldn't swing that action. And so I, I, I went on ahead and I was just kind of wandering down through the bagpipes on my own. And, and there was, there was, a I don't know, I, I wasn't, it was almost melancholic. I, 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 it was amazing and beautiful and everybody was hugging and I, I was just there. Um, but, but I, but I got a redo the next day. I kind of walked out to find one of my friends and somebody who I had, I had had a, a couple of, you know, we didn't walk together very much, but I had a couple of amazing conversations with, I mean, the kind where you're just sitting on the, the end of, uh, of a bed, you know, in tears, right? Like that's just what the Camino does. Yeah. You find a little something and, and a soft spot and, and somebody who understands that soft spot and all of a sudden you know it's you're just you're just there on the end of the bed in tears and and he was somebody who i was really hoping to 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 find again and he was coming in and so i walked in walked in with him that time and at that point it was just it was just a flood of emotion and it was so lovely to be with somebody who who I just, I, I just wanted to be with. And, and it was nice to be able to, you know, have a hug and grab a beer and, and, and talk about the accomplishment. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a lovely feeling, isn't it? When you have accomplished something and you, you're, you're able to share it with somebody who has similarly done that same journey, even if it's only a shorter journey, but somebody who's, who's gone in search of something in themselves and found it. Yeah, it's 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 pretty magical, and I mean, what a square, right? I mean, the it was it was the cathedral wasn't open, um, but it but it, the scaffolding was down, and um, I mean, just such a just a beautiful beautiful building. Yeah. So uh, it, it's a fun place just to kind of chuck your bag on the ground and watch people come in. Yeah, will you go back? I, um, <laughs> just this last week, I booked my tickets to Le Puy and I'm, uh, I'm going to walk 800 kilometers from Le Puy to Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port in May. 
Um, so yeah, I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited for, for that stretch. Um, and the following year, I, I, my Lily and I, I said, when, when each girl's turn 12, I'll, I'll walk a chunk with them. So I'm going to start in Lyon with Lily and go through Galicia and, you know, show her, I mean, that's just, a, it's just a magical part of the Camino, right? So yeah. she, she and I are going to uh, uh, walk the following spring break. How lovely. Well, I'll be, I think, over there in May next year. I hope our paths cross, Andrew. I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you. It's been a terrific yarn. And I I can't help thinking that a Camino angel walks with us all and watching over us in in a way from that field of stars, eh? Yeah, it's great. Well, I I hope our paths do cross. And uh, So you're going this May or the following May? Well, I might do both. <laughs> Whoa, good on you. <laughs> I might do both, but I'll definitely be there next May. I think I'm, I'm walking with my niece who wants me to, oh. to walk from Leon to Santiago with her. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, in the meantime, look, I- I'm certain our paths will cross, if not in Spain or in Italy or in France, perhaps on Whidbey Island. Come on out. I'd love to I'd love to show you around. That'd be fantastic. Until then, Buen Camino, my friend. Buen Camino, Dan. My guest this week, the American pilgrim, Andrew Holloway. On the line there from Whidbey Island in Washington State on the northwest coast of the United States. It was Henry Ward Beecher, an American clergyman, a big part of the anti-slavery movement, who said, The unthankful heart discovers no mercies, but the thankful heart will find in every hour, some heavenly blessings. And there were plenty of heavenly blessings in our conversation this week. It is indeed a heavenly blessing to have you with me every week. Thank you so much for your company. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. Somewhere along the way, some.